This episode of The Sleeper and the Bus is brought to you by Out of the Park Baseball 18, the best baseball strategy game ever made. Available now on PC, Mac, and Linux platforms. It's officially licensed by MLB and MLBPA, allowing you to take any team from any era, from any level, and run it the way you want with unprecedented depth, control, and authenticity. New for this year, 2017 opening day rosters, historic Negro League integration, run the ultimate what-if scenarios, tournaments, fall leagues, a redesigned injury system, an improved 3D game, real-time presentation, and game highlights, improved player morale, and team chemistry, and so much more. Out of the Park Baseball 18 has the full sleeper in the bust stamp of approval. We all play it and have for years. Even better, if you buy now through the Sleeper in the Bust podcast, you'll receive a special 10% discount off the retail price of $39.99 by going to ootpdevelopments.com, click on the order banner, and just enter the code SLEEPER18 at checkout to not only get a discount, but also help support the Sleeper in the Bust, indie sports video game development, and all the people who work to bring you the great game of Out of the Park Baseball 18. Once again, just go to ootpdevelopments.com, click on the order banner, then enter the code SLEEPER18 at checkout for a special discount and to support our show. Guys, I, I'm obsessed with this game. It is so much fun. Um, I played a lot of OTP17. You guys have heard me talk about my Twitch streams, twitch.tv slash peacefor24. I was streaming my 17 franchise over there. I, I, I did a fantasy draft in 1995. I was able to get Ken Griffey Jr., and Pedro Martinez. I don't know what the computer was thinking there, uh, letting letting both of those guys get there. I took Pedro with my first pick, and then and then got Ken Griffey Jr. I haven't started my new eighteen one for um, for streams yet, but I'm going to. And I'm actually just gonna gonna start over. I, I I won the World Series that first year with the with the seventeen team, but I'm gonna start a new one. We'll do the draft at some point soon, so stay tuned for that. But out of the park is is just so much fun. You've heard me talk about. Uh, other baseball video games I like, they're, they're two different experiences. This is the sim, in-depth, management sort of deal, and then the other game is, is playing. So um, I absolutely love this game. One last time, ootpdevelopments.com. Sleeper18 is, is your discount code. Uh, that lets them know that we, that we sent you there, and they give you a little bit of uh, a little bit off the top as well. If you do play the game, let me know. Let me know what you're doing with it. Let me know what, uh, what team you're going with, whether you're starting historically or going from now. Uh, if you do the fantasy draft, hit me up on Twitter, at Spora. I love kind of seeing how people go because it, it doesn't just play out 100% to, to history. Things can change and you can have guys you know you can have a failed prospect that actually pans out for you so i I love seeing that stuff definitely hit me up there um and 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 thanks for supporting the show by by going to ootpdevelopments.com Welcome to episode 461 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Wednesday, May 24th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, and I'm flying solo today. And we are talking Bilo hitters. Now, you've probably heard me rant and rave before about the Bilo sell high axiom. It's obviously the most popular one in fantasy sports. It's also the toughest to do because, you, you know, unless you're playing with a bunch of idiots, and, and most people aren't, um, and I. I think a lot of folks who listen to this show definitely aren't. They're in, they're in sharp leagues. You're not just going to go buy some struggling superstar for 
the flavor of the month, okay? You're not just going to go say, hey, uh, what's going on, league mate? Can I please get, I don't know, I'm trying to figure out a name who's not on the list. <laughs> so I'm not going to give away any of the list. Uh, let's see here. Can I please have... Dun, 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 finds a name, finds a name, can't find a name. Get, let me get Trey Turner. And you know what? Did you know, by the way, he's only got a 75 WRC plus, so he sucks. But I'll take him off your hands. And you know what? I wasn't going to do this, but I ugh, I still don't know if I want to do this. But I guess I'll give you Zach Cozart for him. Okay? I guess. I guess. But you know what? If you could maybe also... Just throw in Addison Russell. I'd really appreciate it. You know, you're not going to be able to do that, okay? And so when you are buying low, you're still going to have to pay a, a substantial price for these for these players. What I'm really saying is buy them at a low point, not necessarily buy them at a low price, okay? So just keep that in mind here because I don't believe that you can just go out and, and get some major discount. Now, in some instances, I'm going to say, listen, you got to get something of a discount. You don't want to pay full market value. There is the the nearly two months of negative work, and you should be able to get a little something, you know, for for your trouble. There, you should be able to get a little something off the uh, off the price. So, let's go ahead and look at eight buy low hitters. And I'm trying to think of which order I should go in. Do I go from worst to best WRC plus best to worst? Should I do? OPS, I don't know. You know what? I'm going to do from the best to lowest. No, no, from the worst to first, W WRC plus, okay? That's just a, you know, weighted runs created plus is just a, a catch-all sort of number. It gives you an idea of how they're performing. You can never use it as a, as a, you know, as the only number that you look at, especially when you're talking about fantasy because obviously there are different aspects outside of WRC plus that factor into fantasy. But we're still going to go... In, uh, in inverse order here, ascending to the to the best WRC plus on this list. So let's go ahead and start with Rugnet Odor. He's got a 59 WRC plus right now. That is very bad. 100 is average for those of you that don't know. Okay, so 59 is god awful, and it's been it's been a bit of a rough go for Rugnet Odor. You can't really you can't really uh, you can't just completely bad luck your way to a 59. 193 plate appearances into the season. However, he still has six bombs and four stolen bases. So you're still looking at 10 homers plus stolen bases. Now, one of the things, I wasn't a huge fan coming into the season. And one of my big issues uh, was the, the, the speed component. He went 33 homers, 14 stolen bases last year. Getting 14 stolen bases is nice, but he was 14 for 21. The year before that, he was 6 for 13. The year before that, he was 4 for 11. He's a god-awful base stealer. And so I thought at some point, the Rangers are going to say, listen, dude, stop running. You're not good at it. Pull, let's, 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 pull the, uh, let's put the brakes on that. But they really haven't. He's 4 for 8. So he's still god-awful at base stealing, Rudin Odor is. But they're letting him run. So he's still, you know, pacing pretty well. He's still giving you those fantasy counting numbers uh, surrounded by that the, the god-awful triple slash. But you can you can kind of you can kind of survive with it. That said, 206 average, 259 on base and the 356 slug. 
you got to be able to get some sort of discount out there right now. Um, you know, he was a early round pick. I want to say top four or five rounds. Don't really think you're going to have to pay that right now. He's pacing right now. Just, just to give you an idea, pacing toward 22 homers, 15 stolen bases. Still got to like that. If he rebounds, as I suspect he can, and, and get back on track, then obviously he's going to, he's going to eclipse that home run mark, in my opinion. Um, the, the the 22 pace that he's on. I think he can get back into the, you know, mid to upper 20s. Let's say 27-ish, um, which, you know, would still leave you, what's that, 19 the rest of the way? Can definitely work with that. Wait, no, sweet counting ability, 21. That would leave you 21. Awesome ability to count, Paul. As far as the stolen bases, I don't know. Uh, I don't know, another eight for some reason because they continue to let him get caught. The dude, Rugnet Odor, in his career, is 28 for 53. That is a 53% success success rate. He's actively hurting the team by stealing bases. However, he's helping yours because in most leagues, they don't count caught stealing. So let's dig in a little bit further here. Uh, we see some interesting factors in his skill set. His strikeout rate's actually down. His, his horrible walk rate's actually up a little bit from 3% last year to 5.2%. So where is the problem with Rugnet Odor? Well, he's really selling out for that power. And when you're off a little bit on that, you're just going to have a lot of pop-outs, a lot of weak fly balls. 44% fly ball rate continues an upward trend every single year he's been in the league. 36%, 40%, 42%, and now 45% this year for the fly ball rate of Rugnet Odor. The big difference, the infield fly ball rate is at 23% right now. That is horrific. Um, you can't have that. Those are automatic outs. Uh, you know, those are pop-ups. Pop-ups are automatic outs. Pop-ups are basically strikeouts um, in, in terms of, uh, of their, you know, out probability. Well, maybe not in terms of their out probability because I'm sure there's like some dropped pop-ups. So it's maybe like 99.8%, whereas a strikeout is always an out. Well, actually, it isn't either because I guess you could drop. Okay, I'm, I'm getting off course here. The infield fly rate is problematic it's the fourth highest in the league byron buxton is pacing the league at 33 percent jonathan scope at 25 giancarlo stanton at 24 percent and then rugnet odor with his 23.4 percent just call it 23 and uh you've got problems there that's that's really bad you can't have that however in a lot of instances a pop-up can be kind of a just missed sort of deal where you're on it and, and, and you just kind of missed it a little bit. So it's not always god-awful. It's not always that the guy is completely out of, uh, you know, uh, off, off the beaten path of, of what he's supposed to be doing. He could just need a couple mechanical tweaks here and there, a couple clicks away. So the, the infield fly ball rate itself for Odor is bad, but the, the, the mechanics of it could be fixed. And so let's look at kind of what he did last year. Well, last year, he really didn't have infield fly ball troubles. 8%. That was fantastic. Year before, 19. Year before that, 17%. So last year was definitely the outlier and and certainly aided that 17% homer to fly ball ratio. So 33 homers was going to be tough to repeat with the skills that he had unless he repeated that infield fly ball rate as well. That said, bring it down a bit. Get him back on track. Get him in a hot streak. He's still pulling the ball, which which indicates well for power. He's still crushing the ball, which indicates well for power. The 35% hard contact rate that he has last year is identical to that, uh, 
excuse me, that he has this year is identical to last year's. So there are still factors for Rugden Odor that, that, you, that you can be encouraged by. Now, with that, your, your league mates are going to be seeing these. They're not going to be thinking, well, I must get rid of this 23-year-old who hit 33 homers last year. So you are still going to have to pay. Uh, but again, I think the, the market cost, which is probably a, I don't know, 6 to 10 round value sort of guy, depending and we talked about this with the pitcher one it's difficult to to eyeball that because values have have greatly changed for sure uh for a lot of players so there there could be somebody who wasn't necessarily drafted in the sixth round who now portends sixth round value uh i'm looking at it right now rugnan odor was a, a steady third rounder so maybe even you know fifth to seventh round might be more like i don't know that you're getting him for for a quote-unquote 10th round value just looking at the 10th round second baseman not that you would necessarily just do second baseman for second baseman but you'd be talking about the aforementioned jonathan scope and i don't really know that that trade's getting done i'm not sure what the point would be um you know if i'm the odor guy i'm like well why would i do that uh it would have to be a two for one where i'm getting something better but you look at someone like 10th round outfielders you know keon broxton um, Yasmani Tomas has his fans, Adam Duvall, and then a couple pitchers. And again, this is from, from the draft season, so it's not perfect because values have changed. But you know, Dallas Keuchel was drafted in the 10th round, Marcus Stroman, Michael Fulmer. Um, I don't think I would trade any of those three pitchers straight up for Odor. But I think that the discount would be trade one of those guys and get a little something with it where, where you're doing a two-for-one Odor and something something I can work with. It doesn't have to be a great secondary piece, but something I can work with because those three pitchers are all kind of playing at a, at a, at a level above where they were drafted, not just because of the way they're pitching, but because of the way the pitching market has fallen around them. And so... Um, yeah, I think you could you could start with with one of those and say obviously Keiko's really really high right now. You could go Keiko and and then you get an Odor and you're saying I don't know Sean Manaya or something. I don't know. You get the point. I'm not great at, at figuring out the exact deal because first off that's kind of useless anyway. Because if I give you two two names, uh, they're not necessarily on the same team. Odor and whoever I name is not necessarily on that team in your league, so it doesn't really matter let me do this let me do this i would say rugnet odor and then i'm going to my i'm going to my pitching rankings here for a second and i would say how about if i'm if i'm going to trade like keichel or fulmer I'm, I'm big fans of both of them and even stroman was in the uh was in the must start keichel definitely the highest fulmer and stroman kind of in their own uh drop down a level and their must start i'm gonna want odor and at least a spot start pitcher. So you go look at, at, at some of the names in there, like a Danny Salazar, a Charlie Morton, a Jeff Samarja, you know, something like that. Maybe even one of the latter end uh, usually start guys, which I just said, Sean Manaya, he's in that group. So I think that that kind of gives you an idea. We'll, 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 you know, we'll talk more about the, the tiers as opposed to the actual names. So Rugnet Odor, not someone I loved coming into the season. I don't, I don't get uh, locked in 
100% and say, well, okay, I didn't like him coming into the season, so now I can't like him at all. No, I think things have changed. And so now I, uh, I, I see some value where I didn't earlier. And so Rudnet Odor for me, somebody I'll go out and buy. All right, let me see who's next. Okay, by the way, we can't take 16 minutes on every one of these. Paul, you're going to need to pick up the pace. Just a little side note to myself. Next up is Carlos Gonzalez. What, Paul? You just said that you would cut him, you stupid idiot. If you did listen to the Saturday episode with Jason, I did, in fact, agree with him when he said that he would cut Carlos Gonzalez. And you know what? I was wrong. Uh, the comments, really, several of them actually kind of deep dove on it and, and expressed, you know, not frustration or, or anger or anything, just kind of bewilderment that I that I said I would cut him. And they're like, wait, what? Why would you cut Carlos Gonzalez? And uh, there were some there were some statistical deep dives, some some reference points to previous things that he'd done, just the idea of like, hey man. Maybe you shouldn't do that. And you know what? I was swayed. And I mentioned so in the comments. I said, shouldn't have done that. Uh, I'm with you guys. He's actually a buy. Carlos Gonzalez is a buy. And the reasons were, were sound. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through some of those reasons with my own deep dive here. You can, you can kind of take a look at what the comments said there. It's obviously there's going to be some run over because we're referencing a lot of the same stuff. But just the base skills alone are in line or better with the last several years, and they say, why, why would he all of a sudden just be bad with these? In fact, the walk rate's up to a career-high 10%. Strikeout rate's at 21%. Uh, last year, it was 20 It's not even that deep if you, if you don't round. It's 20.4 to 20.7, so it's not even a half percentage. Um, so those the, the base skills are in line. <clears throat> he's got an 8% homer-to-fly ball ratio. He's never been anywhere near that low. He's a career 19%. And you go look at the batted ball profile, and the batted ball profile is still in line with the previous seasons. He's not not a huge fly ball guy um, these last couple years. It has been declining, but it's down a percentage point from last year. And that was a season in which he still clubbed twenty five homers. And so you know I'm gonna I'm gonna take that all day, um, and I get you know there's a chance that he could elevate and, and kind of get the fly ball rate back up a little bit closer to his 35% career mark, which would be even better. So uh, I'm looking at everything here and I'm like, you know what? They're right. You know, he's pulling the ball and his hard contact rate is definitely down from last year from 37% to 34%, but the 34% is right in line with a career 35% mark for cargo. So you add it all up and it looks like just a rough start. You know, I don't have a whole lot of other answers to it other than it hasn't been great. But there's no, there's no reason to necessarily panic or cut him. 289 Babbitt uh, is is a bit low, 334 for his career. So that's that's way off the mark. Even if you don't boost him all the way back up to his career, you still got to figure he's like a 310 sort of guy. So that's got to build in some uh, <clears throat> some improvement there. He's actually struggled mostly against righties, which is particularly surprising because that used to be who he decimated. 232, 321, 330, 366 triple slash with a 261 BABIP against righties. So that's where the BABIP trouble is coming. And I just I just don't see that for Cargo going forward. So I've changed my tune. I was wrong. It was more of a, you know, oh yeah, I agree. Look at these, look at these surface numbers. Um, I was focused, you know, on, I would, I would still cut Jock Peterson and Jackie Bradley, but including Cargo there was foolhardy by me. I was wrong. 
I will now cut him. I will now go out and buy and see what's up. Think you can get Cargo at a cheaper price than Rugnet Odor. He's 31 years old. There's still uh, everyone worries that he's going to get traded all the time, although that seems very unlikely this year with the fact that they're contending. And with all the injuries they've got, they can ill afford to trade somebody like that who can be an impact bat. We've seen Cargo get just electric uh, before after after struggling for, you know, whatever, a, a couple, couple months, uh, you know, 50 games, whatever it may be. We've seen him do this. And so I think Cargo is somebody you want to go out and inquire about. And if someone was foolish enough to cut him, maybe on uh, based on what I said, first off, sorry to that person. I goofed. And secondly, um, if you're that person, go get him back. Or um, if, if you're not, try to, try, to, try to snake him. I will say this. One last thing. Look at his 2015. Uh, 2015 for Cargo is kind of a good map of what we're dealing with this year. Through May, he had a 627 OPS, 219 batting average. It was putrid. And it's like, oh, my God, Cargo's done. What a slug. What a loser. Uh, put him out to pasture. He should retire. The rest of that season, from June 2nd on, he had June 1st off. In 108 games, 394, or excuse me, 428 plate appearances, 394 at-bats, he had 36 homers, 84 ribbies, one stolen base for good measure, 292 average, 336 OBP, 624 slug. That's how hot he can get. We've seen it with him. We've seen it with other guys. Carlos Gonzalez, bye. Get it done. Peace. All right. Next up, Andrew McCutcheon, another elder statesman that folks are waiting for to just put that nail in the coffin for him. Obviously, there's a lot of discussion about his draft stock this year, where he would go. You know, some folks weren't drafting him at all. Other folks would take, you know, fourth to sixth round sort of area. And, you know, those that didn't draft him certainly feel vindicated. He's got a 200 average, 271 on base, 359 slug with six homers and five stolen bases. Yeah, six homers and five stolen bases. Despite that putrid triple slash, he still has 11 homers plus stolen bases. That's pretty good. That's pretty darn good. He had six stolen bases all of last year, six for 13. He's five for six this year. That's fantastic. That's an indicator of health to me. That's an encouraging sign in it, in and of itself. Even if he only had half as many homers right now, I would be encouraged by what I'm seeing on the bases for... Um, for Andrew McCutcheon. So you look and we see, okay, 18% strikeout rate. That's down. 9% walk rate. That's down as well, but not much. 12% career, 10% last year. Swinging strike rate is actually down three, uh, let's see, four year low of 9%. A lot of base skills adding up. Let's shift over to the batted ball profile. This is where things change a little bit. The line drive rate is significantly down. That could definitely be contributing to the low batting average. It's down from 23% last year and a 21% career mark to just 15% this year. And most of that, uh, in fact, virtually all of it has gone to ground ball rate. 43% is a five-year high um, and ties his career high, actually. 43.8, 44%. Um, in fact, that, that's actually what his career high was before, 43.8, back in 2012. So that is a little bit alarming, but uh, you know he's still pulling the ball for power. His hard contact rate is decent, and it's not really going to soft contact. It's been in the medium contact where a lot of McCutcheon's uh, you know, 
hitting has gone 51% there. So I think he's he's just off. And we are seeing the spurts of, of production with the six homers and the five stolen bases that leave me encouraged. And Andrew McCutcheon's 30 years old. He is not some ancient guy. I really don't think that you need to jump off. The name value is still there, but but for some for some folks, they're going to be ready to be done. They're just going to be ready to say, you know what? I didn't want to draft him. I'm, I'm, I'm mad that I even took him, and now look where I'm at. But you look at that verse right number, 156, 216, 234 with a 182 Babbitt. That's ridiculous, right? That Come on. I don't think that that's some major skill decline. There's got to be some bad luck uh, in that. You just you just don't do that without there being some massive bad luck for a 182 Babbitt. So I'm buying McCutcheon. I think you can go out there. You can definitely earn a discount. And uh, I, I think you should you should inquire about it. Now, here's the one thing: if you're buying him from somebody who was that believer who did buy him in the fourth round, price is going to be a little bit higher, right? They're they're not going to be willing to just completely sell off what they perceive as a mistake. Uh, so they're going to want something that they can use. But I'm okay with that. I, I I would say pay something. You know, don't. These, these ones are tough, all right? Because I want to say, like, don't pay full market, right? You got Again, you got to get a little something for the fact that he's been struggling and you're taking on some risk that maybe it isn't just bad luck. But at the same point, you don't have to try to be, uh, you know, Mr. Stingy Pants and saying, you know what, I'll give you Joe Biagini and that's it, dude, okay? Okay, you know what, maybe I'll give you Luis Perdomo, okay? Maybe, maybe I'll give you Luis Perdomo. Just pay a fair price, um, that that will vary league to league, person to person. You know what it is. Don't come in with some garbage offer, insult the, your trade, uh, your, your your trade partner because that could ruin the talks, and then you're not going to get Andrew McCutcheon. Okay, so get that done. Moving on. Next up, Michael Franco. So we're bouncing around the age spectrum here. We've gone 23 to 31 to 30 to 24, and so um, you know it's interesting, right? Because different types you, sometimes you buy the veteran who you feel comfortable with other times you buy in the the younger guy who you don't really know right because there's not there's no lengthy track record for michael franco he had a good year last year at age 23 with 25 homers but he had 255 he had a 92 wrc plus you know you're not you're not saying that that's some breakout amazing season but there's a lot of skills to like uh, I continue to like a lot of the base skills that that, that the 24-year-old Michael Franco is showing, including a 14% strikeout rate, which is actually a career best, and an 8% walk rate, which is tied for his career best. The dude makes a ton of contact. The problem right now seems to be that it's not great contact, and yet I look at his batted ball profile, and it's completely in line with last year. It, it, it's it's a worthwhile batted ball profile. There's hard contact at 33%, which works. The soft contact is the lowest it's ever been for him at 17%. 21% line drive rate, 44% ground ball, 35% fly ball rate. A lot of, lot of percents, percent, percent. Add it all up, and it, and it looks solid for Michael Franco. And everything I see here suggests that the, that the output should be better. The results should be better. Hell, he's only got a 7% infield fly ball rate, uh, which is easily a career best. He has a career 15% mark. So the fact that he's not, you know, he's not even popping it up, I can't really 
I can't really figure out what the hell's going on though. Why are his numbers so garbage? Um, you know what? Why is he hitting 221 when this batted ball profile says, you know what? It's not bad. Uh, comparing it to average, by the way, uh, league average, the ground ball, or excuse me, the line drive rate's a little bit better than average. The ground ball rate is about average, and the fly ball rate's about average. So he's right there. Um, the hard contact and the medium contact are both a little bit above um, average, and, and, and as is the soft contact, right? So you look at it all, and it's like average or better. Nothing crazy. You would think with those average you know, numbers, he should at least have average production. But he does not. And so let's dig in a little bit further on, on Michael Franco and say, what the hell's going on with you, Michael? And right now, um, it's both sides of the plate. He's hitting 222 against righties. He's hitting 216 against lefties. And it's not good. That's not really going to work. Now, if you look, if you go to his profile... And you look at, uh, at at the recent articles, just a couple days ago, Alex Stumpf, our very own Alex Stumpf, uh, part of the residency program right now on the front page, has been has written about Michael Franco and talks about his slider issue and how that's a pitch that's giving him some trouble and pitchers are keying in on it. He's got a 26% uh, career high slider usage or not usage i guess pitch type that's what he's seeing um it's second you know fastball is obviously the most pitches they sing but that's the highest secondary pitch they sing can't lay off sliders and that's causing a problem and that can erase these great skills and now he's not flailing at it missing all the time but he's putting out weak contact if you're trying to pull sliders that are running away from you as a right-hander you know righty righty v righty you're not going to do much with that that's just that's just not going to work and so, you know, we are seeing we are seeing a big issue with the slider, and that's something that Michael Franco is going to need to adjust on. He needs to make some adjustments. He's 24 years old. There is time. It's not a situation where I'm concerned, but you are kind of buying on. Uh, you are specking a little bit because you haven't necessarily seen anything that's so great that you should just automatically buy Michael Franco. But I think we've seen enough in the skills and the power, the high contact. The, the 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 raw hitting ability that says, you know what, I can buy here. I am going to take a shot on Michael Franco. I do think that the lack of a lengthy track record will bring you that discount, particularly in, um, in single season leagues. Obviously, in a keeper league, you're going to have to pay full market value. I'm okay with that, but you're, you're going to have to do that in, uh, in keeper leagues. Single season? Get that discount on Michael Franco and, and, and take your shot because this is the profile I think that can really heat up. It can really get going um, and, and, and you want to have that because it's going to be power and batting average, I think, when it does heat up. All right, next up is Devin Travis. This is another guy that I, I somewhat recently, this was a couple weeks ago, I think, that, that he was on the Saturday show talking about cutting him. And, you know, I said, yeah, that's fine. Cut him in, in, in a, in a uh, shallower league, 10 and 12 teamer. And I stand by that one at the time. Uh, the cargo one, I'm, I'm, I'm rescinding. I'm saying, you know what? Further investigation, I had that one wrong. I'm fine with what I said to cut uh, Devin Travis because I think there's a depth at second base where in a shallower league, you could have found somebody that was producing for you, get them in, and, and you're getting the production. That said, I am willing to buy 
Devin Travis at this point. Um, if you're looking to to kind of turn things around and, and buy, get some of these buy low guys, and 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 maybe get on a hot run. If you get three of these guys and they all click, and your other guys that were doing well continue to click, you know that's how you make that big move in the standings. So I'm looking at Devin Travis, and I'm definitely still suspect on him. But not so much so that I won't entertain a buy. He's got two homers, four stolen bases, 240 average, 277 on base, 390 slug. You look at what he's done for his full career, though, and, and you see why people are, are so interested in it. And this is actually his worst line so far, 156 plate appearances in. The other two seasons, 15 and 16, he's only played 163 games between the two. But it was a situation where when, when healthy, he was beasting. This is a situation where... He is playing, and he hasn't been that great. I'm willing to bet back on, on, you know what? As long as he's playing, he's going to go ahead and get back to what he's been doing. Everything else lines up. All of his, all of his batted ball profile stuff, his, his, his base plate skills is all in line with his career norms. If he's healthy, Devin Travis is going to produce. And it might only be, you know, like a 790 LPS, but you can do well, last year he had 785 but he hit 300 so he doesn't have to be off the charts to be a very productive fantasy second baseman with some good power batting average solid numbers in in a uh, Toronto lineup that's getting going and some some you know chip in steals actually the four the four that he has this year match a career high and he stole four last year in 432 plate appearances so again as with McCutcheon, I'm using the stolen bases as a bit of an indicator of health. I definitely think that that is uh, fair to do. And so the fact that he is running has me encouraged by Devin Travis's health. If you can go out and buy him, you can get a discount. You can definitely say, listen, I'm going to take him. I'll get a discount. You didn't pay that much for him. That's the thing too, though. Even if you're paying kind of market, he wasn't that expensive at the draft table. So I just don't think you're going to get uh, gouged um, when talking trade for Devin Travis. It's just not sexy enough for somebody to really dig in and say no i need some top flight returns in fact he could be the second piece in a deal where you trade the star you get another you know solid star level player maybe you're trading the really good star who's who's starring out right now for a star who's not really starring out and you get devin travis thrown in uh let me let me give an example on that i just said that i'm bad at this and that i shouldn't do it because it's not applicable but i'm gonna do it anyway okay so just deal with it Let's see. What if you did Nelson Cruz, who's definitely starring out. He's beasting again. He's amazing. And you said, let me get Cargo and Travis. You know, something like that. I'm going to fill two holes, you know, for in my lineup uh, for the one big stud who's who's dominating. And you're thinking, you know what? I can get. I can get Cruz plus production from these two and fill in two spots. Something like that uh, is, is what I'm saying here, where you could actually get Travis throw, almost as a, not a throw-in, but like the secondary piece of a deal, okay? So, uh, so far we got o- Rugnet Odor, Carlos Gonzalez, Andrew McCutcheon, Mike Franco, Devin Travis. I've got three more, and, and we're inching our way up in terms of their current production, which likely means that the, the price will be more. But obviously they're easier to buy too because they're not as uh, they haven't been playing as poorly. Next up is Kyle Schwarber. Now, notice that this list uh, has a, multiple guys here that I wasn't in on early in the season. But 
again, things change. And when prices change, for me, it's always been about price with Schwarber. I see what people see in terms of the upside. Like, I get it. His his obscene power is tantalizing as hell. I totally get that. I just think that he's wildly overrated price-wise when there's other guys who do the same stuff uh, that go significantly cheaper than him. The one thing where I relent like a touch, and this was this was in draft season, was the idea that okay, you know, he could be rotated into catcher, and depending on your league rules, he could gain catcher eligibility, um, you know, within the season. If you kind of had the one catcher or the one game eligibility, I totally understand boosting him up because getting one game there that shouldn't be that hard in fact he's already gotten he got two innings at catcher and if it's if it's not one game started you're golden if it's five games again i get that you can see where he gets into five games hell before the all-star break perhaps at at least when you're drafting right now it's it's looking unlikely um, because he only has the one those two innings i mentioned but going into draft season i could have understood it the ones where you need 10 um you know 10 plus games that catcher thing was a pipe dream you're going to get that later in the season, and so you're going to overrate him and draft him above like a, a, a K-Riz Davis or a Miguel Sano. That didn't make any sense to me. So anyway, Kyle Schwarber, overrated, uh, overdrafted, but now the price is evened out. Now we're seeing, okay, he's got seven seven bombs, great, but he's at 186. That's another thing that's, that's kind of, you know, got me in terms of the overrating of of, of Kyle Schwarber is he, nobody says a word about his batting average. What are we talking about? Like, how how come nobody acknowledges that he's probably going to be a batting average liability? And guess what? He's been a batting average liability this year. Even in that fu- f- his only foolish season, which wasn't even full, it was 69 games. Nice. He hit 246. I didn't understand why he was ever seen as somebody who wouldn't be a batting average liability. So, you're looking, and you are you are getting a batting average liability for sure. But that's okay, because the power that he offers is extraordinary. And 186, I'm not saying he's going to hit 186. So if he fi- finishes the season at the 246 that he did last year, he's still going to need a good run to get there. I'm not saying he's going to hit 246 the rest of the way. I actually think that he'll get a hot streak that'll bring him to a bottom line of 246. Because if you look, he's got a 224 Babbitt for Kyle Schwarber, which is crazy. You hit the ball that hard. You shouldn't have that low, even with the homer situation. Not a line drive guy this year, 14%. It's 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 44 ground ball, 42 fly ball. So it's in the air. It's on the ground. I get it. But he absolutely is still smoking the ball. 36% hard contact rate. I don't know. There are things to like here. Obviously, batting average is going to be tough um, to really soar because he is going to get shifted against lefties. And he is, in fact... Uh, hitting 152 against lefties, but he's hit 195 against righties, and that that seems really low for me. So I think Kyle Schwarber's somebody you can buy on. The power again is incredible, and he's certainly one of those guys that can just get electric and and hit you, you know, 12 homers in a month kind of deal. Like that's the kind of thing that you can get. Um, he's been he's been showing flashes here and there. He's got got a few homers this month and it looks like okay oh he's about to come out of it. he's got you know hits in four straight games or something and then he goes right back into four or five more offers so it's bubbling but I, I i still think it could come for kyle schwarber and i'm willing to take that chance now now that i think the price has come down 
um, substantially. So Kyle Schwarber, somebody you can take a look at. And substantially just means from where it was at draft season, you are still going to have to pay. I'll give you an idea of, of, of a trade that I did. You guys can let me know if you think it sucks, but I, I, I thought he was kind of worth buying. I'm in this league. It's an 11-team mixed league. Uh, good group. You know, they're, they're, they're sharp guys. They know what they're doing. Um, I, I like the league. It is. It's definitely challenging. You're not get, you're not going to slide things through and, and, and rip people off. They're always taking a second look. Um, you know, there's a handful of people that are like the really sharp traders in the league. And, you know, even those that, that maybe aren't uh, tops on trading, they always know to like, be diligent when they're getting an offer from one of those guys just to make sure that they're not missing something. And, you know, I'm I'm going to sound like an arrogant douche, and I'm not. But I'm just saying, like, I, I'm in that group of, like, okay, why does Spore want this guy? You, you, you guys probably get that in your leagues too, right? You don't have to be writing about fantasy baseball to get that. If you if you have some success, you play a lot, you, you're going to start to get the, uh, the uh, okay, let me see why he wants to trade. It's not that they won't trade. They just want to see what's up. So I've got this devastatingly uneven team right now, which skews toward pitching, which shouldn't surprise most. I'm obsessed with pitching. But it's 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 comical. 51 pitching points, far and away best in the league. Eight hitting points. Eight. Eight. That's bad. 11 team mixed. I'm just going to run down the particulars. Luke Roy, Vote, San- Carlos Santana, Brandon Drury, Travis Shaw, Hernan Perez, Chris Taylor, recent pickup. Yonder Alonso had him for most of his good good stuff. Not, didn't draft him, but had him for a lot of the good stuff. Uh, DeShields, David Peralta, George Springer, Giancarlo Stanton, Addison Russell, had some of the good Chase Headley, Justin Turner, Trevor Story, Piscotti. I mean, that's not an eight-point offense, is it? Maybe it is. I don't know. Who cares if it isn't because that's that's where it's at right now. It doesn't matter what, what it should or shouldn't be. That's where it's at. So I figure uh, the pitching's been great and Paxton Syndergaard on the DL. So I figure I can trade some of this some of this top flight pitching and, and try to get a, uh, some impact offense. Well, I'm kind of banking on Thor and Paxton to come back at some point. You know, Paxton sooner, Thor obviously down the line. And so I figure I would trade somebody who's doing well right now. I don't want to trade those two and, and trade them at a discount. I don't think that that's going to work. I want to deal um, Lance McCullers, which is very difficult for me to say. <laughs> Absolutely difficult for me to say because I, um, I love Lance McCullers. But I do have multiple shares, and I did figure that he would fetch something substantial. And so the offer I made was Lance McCullers. Jock Peterson for Kyle Schwarber and Andrew Benintendi. The thinking being that if you rank those guys, it's McCullers, Benintendi, Schwarber, and Peterson. You know, he writes back, he said, well, you know, where are you at on those guys? I don't really have any love for Peterson. Can I get anything else? And I'm like, eh, I can give you Chase Headley. Like, that's not really that much better. But I'm not going to do too much more. I'm going to give you the ace pitcher who's pitching like an ace right now. You give me the, the, the big rookie bat and the struggling younger bat. And, and let me take my chances there. And, you know, Benintendi was, I think, at the beginning of that 0 for 24. But I thought this was a pretty good offer. And so, he, you know, he, like I said, he came back asking to get a little secondary piece to be better. I said, nah, and he took it. He said, okay, I'll do it. That's fine. I just wanted to see, which I, I totally respect. I get that. 
And so we did that deal. So what do you guys think about that? McCullers and Jock Peterson, standard 5x5, 11-teamer, and I got Benintendi and Schwarber. Put some big, trying to get two bats who can make major impact and ideally pair, pair, pair together extremely well. Benintendi is going to carry Schwarber's batting average. Uh, Schwarber is going to going to obviously supplement the power, although Benintendi has five homers. It's not like he's not popping the ball himself. And then six stolen bases out of Benintendi, so you add them all up, and it's kind of a it's kind of a super player who does a bit of everything. And I thought that, that was a good way to jumpstart the offense. It's, we're still at eight points. I think we might have been at seven when we traded for him, so now, now we're up a whole point. Um, so that's what I did. That's just to give you an idea of what uh, of what a Schwarber trade might look like. That's an eleven team mixed league, but um, you know you got to give to get. I get obviously gave a top flight arm, but I got two impact bats. So, all right, Kyle Schwarber, somebody you can get. Couple more guys here. Alex Bregman is another guy I would entertain buying. I would take a look and see what's up. Now there are uh, concerns from a lot of folks about Alex Bregman right now. I think it was uh, Tony Blangino who wrote an article coming into the season about. Um, what is it like soft contact and Alex Bregman was was on there and and you know kind of put a little scare out there kind of said hey keep an eye on this this is uh you know he doesn't have great contact he, he has the he has his analysis he has his chart but Gino does uh that analyzes you know exit velos batted ball profile strikeout percentage all that sort of stuff and kind of uh you know puts it all together and says hey this is where we're at. These are the guys who excel. These are the guys who are on the lower end. And uh, Alex Bregman came out on the lower end. He has his he had his adjusted um, his his adjusted number. It says adjusted PRD. What does PRD stand for? I can't remember. Do 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 PRD. Pretty real data. Maybe that's what it was. His adjusted pretty real data. Has to be that. Can't really be anything else. I'm just kidding. I don't know what it means, but it's like the score. It's 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 what all the stuff was tabulating. And Bregman was dead ass last on this list. Like he was low. He was very low on this, uh, and, and uh, he also had an uh, an adjusted contact that he that he was, and that that that's adjusted C. I know what that is. I see it right here. It says adjusted contact score. Oh, adjusted production. That's what it was. Pardon me. Which I think was uh, on that WRC plus scale. And so Bregman had a 77 down from a 112. So he put up, he put a 112 WRC plus together last year. But when you adjusted it for the, for the factors that Blangino was looking at, it was 77. Yeesh. And his adjusted contact rate was down, uh, contact score was down at 86. Again, where I believe 100 is average. So not great and so far it's been playing out and the power has been the the biggest issue for Bregman and that's that there you go right like that's um that's the issue that that we're running into so it's kind of playing out exactly as Blangino thought 248 average 322 on base 359 slug just two homers three stolen bases and five attempts isn't very good five percent homer to fly ball ratio for Bregman I'm still willing to buy. You know, Blangino's numbers, I'm not disputing them, but they were based on 217 plate appearances. 
And so Bregman can adjust. He's 23 years old. I don't think he's set in stone. I understand the analysis. I totally understand. I totally get it. And it makes sense. And it's something that I remember reading it. And uh, I hadn't read the article originally. And someone brought it up in chat and said, did you read this Blangino thing on Bregman? I said, no, I did not. I went and checked it out. I said, okay, that's, that's interesting. Bumped him down a little bit. Just, just, just to be smart. I said, okay, I'll bump him down a little bit. Cause I was pretty interested in him. Um, as far as rookies go, he was one of my higher rookies. I'm not huge on rookies. You saw I traded for Benintendi. I, you know, I didn't draft him. I want to see a little bit. Even though it's only been a month and a half, I'll trade for you now. Looking like you've you, you got some skills. Um, and then Bregman, you know, I drafted him in, I think, one or two leagues. But uh, I wasn't going to go all out, and I had moved him down a little bit. But I'm looking at everything else right now. Strikeout rate is way down as is the swinging strike rate uh, to go with it. Walk rate's up just a little bit. Uh, the batted ball profile, it, it is back on the, it's it's on the ground more, uh, 43% to 36% from the fly ball rate from last year to this year. But the the hard contact rate is, is the same. It's a little bit below average though at 30, 32%. Uh, average is 33% as we just talked about. I don't see any major alarm bells in the batted ball profile that says, that uh, he's stuck as this as this like no power guy though, and so maybe he doesn't you know surge in power, but I actually think the batting average could go up. That's the reason I'm I'm trading for a guy like Bregman anyway. I'm hoping to spike a 285 average the rest of the way with a ton of of runs and, and good RBIs because of the team he's on. Hopefully he keeps running and, and and gets better than three for five. Can't do that, and you know. 12 total home runs and I get 10 of them the rest of the way from Bregman. So I don't have delusions of grandeur with, with what I would get from Bregman, particularly in terms of power. But I think the other aspects uh, certainly offer some upside. Uh, he needs to make an adjustment. He had to make an adjustment last year though too. When he came up, I think he went 0 for 32 to start or something you know, similarly horrible. Actually, no, I got it right here. Hang on. It was like 1 for 30 something. 1 for 32 with 10 strikeouts not very good and then the rest of the way and and one thing i really liked and i watched i'd watched a a bit of bregman during that run and i was just impressed with the fact that he really wasn't flustered by it you know it sucks to suck especially when you're first coming up but the dude really carried himself and he's always kind of had the 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 intangible factor where people say, you know, he looks like that leader, gets Dustin Pedroia comps, not just in terms of his size and and look, but the the way that he behaves too. I don't know if he's quite the red ass, but but you know, that sort of uh leadership, you know, the 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 pros pro sort of guy. And he he rallied for 308, 355, 562 with eight homers in the final 183 point appearances of his season last year. Bregman did, and so I'm just not going to rule him out, man. I think he can make adjustments. Um, and you look at this, hell, it's not even that bad. It's a 91 WRC plus right now. So even with the struggles, he's not even that you know th- that far uh, that far gone. Still scored some runs. That team's going to be great. I think he can score runs from anywhere in that uh, in that lineup so i'm willing to take a shot i'm willing to take a shot on alex bregman and uh i don't think the price would be devastating i think uh you're gonna have to pay something i know it's vague and stupid doesn't really tell you anything but hopefully i'm conveying the point like don't go in with some undercut bullshit offer just don't do that okay for any of these guys don't do that don't be that person 
right? Acknowledge that you're buying something that you think is um, valuable, you know, and say, okay, I will. I'm, I'm going to give you something here. And hell, if even if you want to and, and say, um, uh, oh, sweet, somebody did. I swore I turned off this phone. Jeez, sorry about that, y'all. If, if, if you want to acknowledge, if you want to go into the trade talks and say, hey, um, I'm looking to buy here. I know I'm not going to get them at you know rock bottom price, but I'm hoping to get a little, a little something. Then you know I'm okay with that. You're 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 being honest up front, and and hopefully you guys can reach an accord that way without it looking like you're trying to to snake them. Okay, so do something like that. I think that that's the way to go if you're going to buy one of these guys. And I think Alex Bregman, you can definitely get a discount on. All right, our last guy, our eighth guy here that I'm buying low on. Let me see, by the way. I got one, two, three, four. Ooh, it wasn't even on purpose, but I went four and four from the AL and the NL. Sweet. So you AL and NL only, folks. I, I treated I treated you all right. Let me, let me take a drink here real fast. Sorry. I'm not going to edit that out, okay? You're going to have to deal with that. Hopefully I didn't gulp right in the mic like, oop. I just took a drink. I don't know why I would do a goofy voice from taking a drink, though. I'm an idiot. Anyway, last but not least, drum roll, please. That's me trying to drum roll my tongue, and I couldn't do it. I failed. That was that was real. That was absolutely real. I was trying to just go, and I went. Anyway, I'm sorry for everything. Last guy is Kyle Seeger. Okay. He's got a 96 WRC plus. Part of that, though, is where, you know, not where WRC plus fails, but where it can be misleading. Because part of that is because of the park he plays in. So his numbers are going to yield a higher mark because he gets a little bit of credit for playing in that park. So, yeah, 96, like, oh, he's not even that far off, but it's a 709 OPS. Make no mistake. He's struggling a bit. 252, 335, 374 triple slash for Kyle Seeger. That said, I'm not worried really at all you know some of these guys got a little bit of concern and i'm like eh, you know be careful you know uh, you are taking some risk blah 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 with Kyle seager i'm like just do it <laughs> what, are you, what are you worried about don't worry about it just just jump in um and and go buy him by the way last year he hit five homers exactly in every single month i love symmetry like that i don't know why I just really do. Now, last year, he got off to a horrific April start and then picked it up right in May. In fact, his 1051 OPS in May was the season high. So it's not that same sort of deal. We're obviously not seeing him uh, turn it around completely in May uh, after after a slow April. We've, we've seen that before, um, but this year, it's okay. April was a 742 with just one homer. So far in May, it's 677 but with three homers. So, you know, I'm looking here and I just, I don't see anything that says be concerned. This dude's been one of the steadiest guys in the game. You know, just just clockwork. You're going to get your 20-something homers. Um, your, your decent but not great batting average. Your solid RBI and run totals and, and a, a few chip-in steals. Now, last year he popped 30. So that was a little bit of a spike. He's actually added homers every year of his career from 20 to 22 to 25 to 26 to 30. 
but the skill like if you kind of just look at the skill set of that that's just like the range of outcomes like he's a good example of how even a guy who hits 20 homers for like three straight years can spike up to 28 30 and it doesn't necessarily mean there's like a great great skill change um now he spiked up over the course of time but range of outcomes matters that's why i don't like pinning down like a single number and saying this guy's going to hit 24 homers this year and that's that's all we're that's all we're saying um no you, you, you 24 homer guy okay he could hit 32 and he he could hit 18 i know that's a wide range but that's that's baseball that's baseball um so anyway you know he's 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 off his pace from last year for sure make no mistake about that for Kyle Seager but not so much so that i'm gravely concerned he's not going to take too much of a of a, a streak to kind of get him on uh, back on pace to where his homers usually are which is usually in about the mid 20s so let's dive into the profile a little bit you got the 11% walk rate which is a career high uh, up from last year's 10% you got a 17% strikeout rate which is up a percentage point from last year as well, but right in line. In fact, let's do the decimal. It's uh, at 16.8 this year. It was at 16 flat last year, and it's at 16.6 for his career. And in fact, his swing strike rate, 6.7%, is a career best for Kyle Seeger. So I have no concerns on his plate approach right now at all. And you'll get the batted ball profile. It continues. Yes, the line drive rate is a bit down, and uh, it's you know it's been turned into fly balls, but it's... It's about three percent, three to five percentage points. Um, you know, give, it, it fluctuates because I've been monitoring Kyle Seager for a while, and one day uh, three percentage points, uh, the next day couple couple hits, it's five percentage points. So it's at eighteen percent right now, and last year he was at twenty two percent with his line drive rate. In fact, that's his career mark. So the fly, a few few more fly balls um, taken away from the line drives, but the hard contact and the medium contact are. It's not none of it's soft contact. So he's still hitting the ball hard. In fact, his 11% soft contact rate is a career low for Kyle Seager. So these are factors that I'm that I'm interested in. Like I just don't see any reason to be gravely concerned about what Kyle Seager's doing. You trust a guy like this to get to his bottom line, and I think he's I think he's going to get there. If not better, you know. If not, you know, he he could get closer to last year's bottom line i'm not even saying that he only goes to like the career bottom line i'm saying like i I, i'm feeling confident that that he could still rally enough to get to to last year's 30 and 99 with a i think 278 average last year yeah 278 so that would be that'd be amazing now you're talking 26 and 77 uh the rest of the way with a batting average that would probably have to be around 300 to get to 278 or if he just hits 278 the rest of the way, that would be fine too. But uh, again, that's kind of like the high end. But I trust Kyle Seeger, man. And I really think you should. And this is the one where I would pay full market. If someone asks something that's comparable with what his draft day cost was, I'd say, okay. If I need offense, if I need third base, if I'm looking to boost the offense, I'll pay it. You might not have to. You don't have to start there. You can start with a reasonable you know, just like a little discount offer and try to go from there. But if, if not, then, uh, uh, then you say, okay, what, what, what are you looking for? And they say, oh, you know, so-and-so, which matches his, his season, you know, his, his draft season price. Fine. I'll do it. Give me, give me Kyle Seeger. 
So I'd buy Kyle Seager, guys. It's pretty easy. I don't I don't really have any reservations about buying in on Kyle Seager. So that's the eight. Those are the those are the eight, I guess. Uh, Rugnet Odor, Carlos Gonzalez, Andrew McCutcheon, Michael Franco, Devin Travis, Kyle Schwarber, Alex Bregman, and Kyle Seager. They kind of run, you know, they they run the spectrum age wise. Well, maybe not the spectrum because there's no super old guys. Carlos Gonzalez is the oldest at 31. But you go from 23-year-olds to 31-year-olds. Um, most of it are power. Most of them are power guys. Uh, there's some batting average guys. There's no like true speedsters. Mainly because even if they even if they did kind of fit what I was looking for to to put them on this list, they're hard to buy low on anyway. Because usually even you know, and I'm using the biggest example, obviously Billy Hamilton. But like even when he's sucking, he's still running. Even when his numbers are in the tank, uh, from like a triple slash standpoint, he's still running. So that's the thing with those guys with, with the speed demons. They're you know they might have a, a three twelve OBP, but that was enough for them to get on base and steal twelve bases. I'm looking at you, Jonathan VR. In fact, your OBP is two eighty nine. So actually, that's a great example, Jonathan VR. Can you buy? I mean, you could probably buy lower than the damn second round price that a bunch of us paid, myself included. Um, but do you want to pay a fourth round cost? So you know that's that's one of those ones that you kind of have to judge for yourself. The speedsters are tougher to buy because they usually are still offering that speed even in the midst of struggles. Eduardo Nunez only has a two ninety four on base, but he still has twelve stolen bases. That's two guys with sub three hundreds that are still stealing. Gerard Dyson. Who didn't know that he was going to be garbage? The the extra playing time was a bad thing for him as far as I'm concerned. That was going to expose him, and it has. He's hitting 206 with a 308 on base and a 301 slug, but he's still got 13 stolen bases, third most in the league. So are you really going to be able to go get him for peanuts? No, because the, pers- the, the, the team that has him, they knew that they were probably going to get a terrible hitter. They just want those 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 yum-yums, those stolen bases. So that's why there aren't um, a lot of pure pure speedsters included on this list okay so let me know what you think about those if you got others in the comments let me know uh i'm always open to having a conversation about players like that and 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 you know if you disagree or if you just want to add somebody we can we can talk about it in the comments you can always hit me up on twitter as well uh at spore that's s-p-o-r-e-r um not necessarily so much baseball related but if you want to follow me on snapchat it's p-spore p-s-p-o-r-e-r and i stream on twitch twitch.tv slash psporer24. I stream MLB The Show, uh, Out of the Park Baseball, In-Game Fantasy Baseball. It's all baseball stuff. It's basically like my chats, but with video. And, you know, it doesn't even matter if you play the video game. If you want to come out and talk fantasy baseball, that's that's mostly what we're doing. We're just talking baseball in the chat, and I happen to be playing a video game at the time. So feel free to come on by there. I do that most uh, evenings, uh, nights, really. I shouldn't say evenings. That's, that's misleading. It, I usually start around 1030 Central at night so that's a late night sort of thing after i watch some baseball so anyway that's gonna wrap it up for the uh, for the solo episode this week uh you know and i will be back tomorrow peace